a lot. A lot is going through my mind. A lot is going through my heart. Um, it has been uh, it's been a week, I guess, since a little over a week since we got the news, and um, just a lot of emotions, a lot of thoughts. This is uh, um, this is a sweet moment for me and my wife, my family, and um, it's just providential. It's providential. Uh, like, like Pastor Spencer said five years ago, we came into this joint um, broken and busted, uh, and and not really expecting anything or looking for anything besides just a connection with people in Oakland because we were kind of by ourselves doing ministry. Uh, and I had no clue that God would orchestrate this kind of event five years later. Um, I've said this a lot this last couple of weeks, but I'm just convinced that God writes better stories. He writes better stories. The story that I write for my life, the story that you might write for your life, the chapters you're looking forward to in your future that you wish would happen, let me tell you, you're going to experience some disappointment. You're going to experience some setbacks. You're going to experience some highs and lows and twists on the road that you didn't expect. But family, can I just tell you from a person that has experienced this firsthand at this moment that God is getting you to where you need to be. He is getting you to where you need to be. The way that I got to this place was not the path that I chose for myself. Um, but God knows how to write better stories. And so uh, for your life, that means hopefully um, some encouragement for you as you look for the future. But for us as a family, um, I'm just, I'm filled with, with gratitude. I'm filled with um, humility. And I feel so much honor for, for being able to step into this moment in this um, season, uh, following so closely uh, a friend and a mentor through Pastor Ed and being able to build on the foundation that I reaped for so long these last five years. Um, I told someone recently what a blessing it is that, that I can come into this church and, and continue the work that was started because I'm not jumping into some ship that is sinking. I am coming into a healthy, vibrant, diverse, beautiful, Jesus-loving, scripture-exalting, mission-oriented church. I know you, many of you, and I know your, your seriousness about Jesus. I know your humility. I know um, how how high you regard the scriptures. I know how you honor others. And so it is a gift. It is just a gift to me, someone who is called to be a pastor. I can't shake this calling. You can't, you, you can take the pay away and all this stuff. I just, I know I can't do anything else but this. To be able to do what I'm called to do in this place with you is, is a gift. I praise God for it. Um, I got handed a gift this week. And in my job, Right now, in this next season, it's just a steward of that gift. I, I didn't create it. I, I didn't earn it. I didn't muster up and strive for it. God just hands over gifts, and we're called to steward what he deposits in our lives and put in our paths. And so I want to be a faithful steward to love you, to serve you, um, to walk with you, and really to take your eyes off of me or anything else of this world and point them back to the real and risen Jesus. Because he's so much worthy than any pastor or plan or vision statement. He's the king. And so as I thought about this message, it's a big moment, right? First message. I should have probably looked up a blog how to write a first message. There wasn't any that I looked up. But what do you say, um, especially in this moment, because I'm not someone parachuting from the outside that doesn't know any context, doesn't know you guys. I just preached a couple weeks ago on Easter, which is so fun to be back with you. What do you say in this situation uh, to be in the place that I'm in to a people that I know and love, many of you. Um, and what I know that I didn't want to say was to come in and bring some new revolutionary vision that's just going to press delete on the last eight years and reset everything. <laughs> that just wasn't what, what God was stirring up in my in my heart. I, to be honest, I don't, I don't have this huge vision right now. I have some ideas, and, and we're talking about with staff and dreaming and, and taking it slow. Um, but like I said, I'm coming into a place that is healthy, that loves Jesus. And uh, I know we're coming out of a season that's just rough. It's been hard for so many different uh, people, so many different levels of tribulation and trial and just um, some low points. And so I, I really just want to shepherd you. And this message, 
um, is simply me preaching to myself in hopes that you get encouraged as I'm encouraged. Is that okay? I just want to preach to myself. As, as my pastor, that sounds weird, I want to preach to myself, hopefully as your pastor, as Jesus shepherds me, that I could just hear some words that I need to hear to start this season off right. And more than plans, more than dreams, more than visions, they will come. We will have time for that. Um, I want to make sure our hearts are in the right place. I want to make sure my heart is in the right place. Um, and so the question I want to, uh, to ask today, yes, we're, gonna, we're doing the tension question and the burdens. We're, uh, if, you, if you love that, awesome. If you're like, man, I hope that was going to change, well, best of luck. We're rolling through that over the next season. Um, the question I want to ask today um, is this. How do we move forward with God's blessing in this new season? How do we move forward with God's blessing, His favor, His grace, His approval, His presence in this new season? We know it's a new season. Pastor Spencer says it every 10 seconds. It's a new season. We know it's a, it's a new season, the same kingdom. But what I'm very aware of is that you can move forward in life without God's blessing. It's not that we get, we have God's presence always, and he loves us always. But if we just stick our, our life in neutral and not put attention and heart and affections towards Jesus and his kingdom, we can move into some areas without God's approval and blessing. He cares about some stuff. And so I want to, I want to do the stuff that he cares about. I don't want to do the stuff that I think is helpful or good or creative or fun or exciting or smart. God knows best. So I want to I want to walk this path into a new season with God's blessing. His favor has been upon this church for the last eight years, and I have no plans to abrupt that plan and change it and say no for the next season. I want to see more of his favor, more of his blessing, and more of his presence manifested in our lives. And so just two reasons why this question. Because there could have been a lot of questions I could have asked today, a lot of topics and things that we could have processed through, but I just got two burdens that are really, um, hopefully, uh, just kind of get you on board for, for why we even want to care about God's blessing in this next season, and uh, why aren't we talking about bigger and, and better dreams and visions and things. Uh, number one, many of you, and I know this from talking to you and knowing what this last season has been, um, likely have a lot of questions still about the future. And I'm not just referencing questions about the future of your life. That, that's definitely happening in terms of this last year and a half of COVID and all the things that have happened. I'm sure you're questioning the future, but I'm referencing more and referring to the questions you have about this church. That there's a core group of people that I know that, that love this church, that are bought in, that are committed. We have members that are, that are here to, to live out the mission of God's kingdom, come to earth through Oakland and in Oakland. And I, I know you are wondering, what's, what's going to change? What's going to happen to the church I love? What's going to happen to this stuff? How are you going to pastor and lead me? I, I love the last season and nothing against you, Chris, but, but I'm just kind of weary that, that I, I don't want the good stuff to change. I don't want the things that I, I came to know and love to, to be rewritten and reshaped and to have a future where it might not look the same. I, I totally, I, I, empathize, I empathize with the fact that, that so many people are just, are processing through all the transitions. I mean, to, to go through this last year is hard enough, but then to have the news that you lead pastor for the last eight years is transitioning out is another layer of just processing. And then I have the news that there's no lead pastor and we're searching and to have the, the anxiousness to wonder what's going to happen and in that time, what God is going to do and what is going to look like. And all that stuff is, is good. It's not bad. Actually, if you're asking that question, that means you're bought in. If you're not asking the question of what's going to happen, uh, maybe you don't really, you aren't involved as much in this church. You know, the buy-in. I think the people that have the buy-in are asking the question, man, what's going to happen to the church that is so healthy, that has, that has uh, been used by Jesus to, to shepherd and love my soul and to mature me? What's going to happen? Um, I understand those questions. And so I, I want to give you some assurance, some peace, some clarity around this next season and how, um, and how we will, uh, and, and I, can, I can guarantee this because Jesus is the senior shepherd, not me, that we will see that our best days are ahead of us, not behind us. 
That has nothing to, to say about the past. In fact, a lot of the reason why our best days are ahead of us is because we're building on such a good foundation. So when I say the best days are not behind us but ahead of us, it's because the chance of, of it being ahead of us is because it's already been behind us, the good days, and we're building on that for more momentum. And I know Pastor Eddie's a close friend. He would want nothing more than this church to thrive and reach more people and see more fruit and see more kingdom work in this city. And I'm confident of that. And I want to give you the confidence on why. Number two, I'm very aware and and and. Not, not, not just very aware, like I've, I've experienced what life looks like apart from God's blessing. And I'm very aware that if we move forward this next season without it, um, to put it frankly, we're screwed. Now, I know kids are watching. I looked up that on dictionary.com. It just means ruined or hopeless, okay? So, so when I say screwed, it really means we are ruined and hopeless people if we think we can move into this next season apart from God's grace and presence and blessing. I don't want that. And here's why I don't want that. Because I am not stepping into this as your pastor to maintain the status quo. I'm not here just to keep things afloat. God did not call me to this position so I can just maintain an organization and make sure we have money in the bank and make sure we, we keep our office clean and make sure we do a couple good things. I, God did not call me, God did not call you to continue in this church just to keep things the way they are and to play it safe and to not take risks. I didn't sign up just to play it safe and neither did you. I don't want to play church. I don't, my fear, my greatest fear is that I put in neutral my life and just on automatic, because I know what pastors are supposed to do, I've been in ministry for 10 years, slip into neutral and just do what a pastor should do. You become a Christian who, who is a good member in your church, you attend, and, but you're never really engaging in what God's wanting you to engage in for that moment, for his presence to invade your heart. I don't want that for my life, I don't want that for your life, and I don't want that for this church. Because I want nothing less than experience God in all his power, all his glory, all his beauty. I want nothing less than experience a little bit of revival in my heart, in your heart. A little bit of revival in our homes. God promises to revive us. The psalmist cries out. He says, won't you revive us again? I want to be revived. I want to be continuing to be revived till I see Jesus where I'm looking more like him where I'm loving him more, where he becomes the real treasure of my life and not everything else, where I care about his approval and not anyone else's. That's what it means to have all of God, that he becomes your greatest treasure and you do anything to risk, and you risk everything to follow him and to love him. I want that. You want that. So we want God's blessing in this next season. So here's the three kind of postures that I believe I need to take, my heart needs to hear, and prayerfully this would encourage you as we move forward as a family on mission to see heaven come to earth in this next season. Three postures. Staying low, sticking close, and stumbling toward. It's an outline. I still struggled a long time for that. <laughs> Staying low, sticking close, and stumbling toward. Tour. Let me tell you, this is so close to my heart, church family. I, it doesn't mean that I'm excelling in all these things, but let me tell you, this is a priority in my life. I am, I am, I am at an alert level of always being aware. Is this happening? Do I have this posture? And so I want to make sure you're bought in in this moment to say, yes, I, I, want, to be, I want to position myself in a place to receive God's blessing in this next season. If you are, would you tap a like or say, I'm, I'm ready, I'm here for it in the comments. Just let me know so I can look back who's in to see and to experience God's hand and blessing in this next season. We're gonna jump right in and I pray that this would be something um, that would just set our hearts in the right place for God to come and move. Number one, staying low. What does that mean? What do you mean staying low? Low. Again, these, these aren't some three formulas or steps we have to do. They're not new vision. They are things that God has said um, his kingdom is all about. Staying low. Let me read a verse to you. It'll be all on the screen. You'll see it. Isaiah 57, 15. And you'll, you'll kind of see where we're going from this. It's one of my favorite passages in Isaiah. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, 
who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. Okay? God, high, lifted up. He inhabits eternity. I don't know about you, but that's big. Inhabiting eternity. He fills eternity. His name, he's not just holy. His name is holy. He dwells in the holy place. But catch this next line. Isaiah says, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the hearts of the contrite. I love that passage. You know why? Because that shows me that God, who is exalted and holy, and we know God is big, we have upward prayers of praise, exalting him as the one on the throne. He is also the one that comes to the low place to meet people who are down there. A mentor of mine, a friend, uh, Ray Orland, says, God is up there in the high place. He's down there in the low place, but he's never in the mushy middle. You can't get up to where God is. And the mushy middle is, oh, everything's fine. I don't need God. My life is okay. I get a little bit of Jesus on Instagram, and I watch Sunday service, but I do, my, I do my thing. That's the mushy middle. No, God is coming down from on high to revive the hearts of those who are lowly and humble. He's not just hanging with the morally good people. He's coming close. He's moving in. If you want to know where God's eyes are, it's in those, at those, looking to those who are lowly and humble in their heart. This is the first way we can move forward with God's blessing. Humility. Now, I need that as, uh, as, as your new lead pastor coming in. I have, I have, a, I have a track record. I've been in ministry for a while. been to Bible college. It's so easy to, like I said earlier, think that I know what the right thing is to do. And then, without knowing it, you and I, because we've been around church and can understand and have the lingo, start to become self-reliant and not God-dependent. At any moment, you're at risk to, to rely more on yourself than to God. Check out these verses. Proverbs 18, 12. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, prideful, lifted up. But humility comes before honor. Before destruction, a person is full of pride, thinking they're okay. I do not, I have no interest in going into this next season. With this self-confidence. Confidence is great, but with this self-confidence that I have in me what it takes to grow this church, to shepherd, to love, to teach, to pray, everything Pastor Spencer said, I do not want to rely on my own strength, my past years, or anything but God. I want to remain with a, a humble, open-handed posture. And I've learned this the hard way in this last season of planting the church and in the past couple of years. Uh, God has put me through the fire. He has humbled me to get me to a place where I can be humble. Sometimes it's not going to be your choice. It's going to be God putting you through things, humbling you, so you can have a spirit of, wow, I cannot rely on myself anymore. I have to rely on God because I went through this fire, this trial, and I couldn't make it. I just don't want us to go into this season thinking we have a healthy past so we should automatically are entitled to seeing a healthy future. That's pride. I believe the best days are ahead of us. But I want to go in saying, God, we want to rely more on you, not less. James 4, 6. This is, this is something that hits the, hits the mark really straightforward. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I want you just to realize what, what James, the half-brother of Jesus, is saying at this moment. God opposes the proud. He opposes the proud. It's not that he's just withholding some blessing. He's in opposition to you. Church family, I don't want our church <laughs> to be in opposition or to have God be in opposition with our church. 
to look down at us and our staff and our cool meetings and our cool graphics and our great social media accounts and all this stuff and say, this looks great, but I'm in opposition to you because you are self-reliant and thinking you have what it takes to move the mission forward. I do not want God to be in opposition to us. Let me tell you, this is in the New Testament. If you're wondering, oh, it's Old Testament stuff. No, it's the same God and he will oppose your butt and my butt if we are tripping and thinking we can do it in our own strength. He's going to do it. I have been opposed by God in my pride. He will shut the mouth of the prideful people, Proverbs says. He loves you, but he loves you enough to not let you go walk in pride. Why? Because destruction comes when there's pride presence. Our pride is a spiritual stiff arm to the blessings of God in our life. Spiritual stiff arm. And I don't, I don't want to just walk around stiff arming God's favor on this church and in this season because we think we got it. Can you just imagine God being opposed to our church? Can you imagine a, a, a season where, where we thought everything was going well, but he was opposed to it and we were hitting walls? See, I, I, can, I can imagine. I, I can come in thinking that we have all this stuff. And so we're just going to roll through this next season. Okay, we'll pray a little bit. Prideful people pray. Don't get it twisted. You can be prideful and still pray. You can read your Bible and still be prideful. Why are you praying? Why are you reading the Bible? Why are you seeking God? Why are you coming to church? Why are you engaging in the mission of God's local church? Is it for you? So you feel good? Is it for God's kingdom and his glory? What are you tempted right now to have pride in in this new season? Where are you tempted? Just, just you can put it in the chat. You can think about it. Where are you tempted right now? It, it could be as simple as this. Man, I, 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 love, I love you, Chris, but man, uh, this last season with Pastor Ed, that was it. That was it. And so we hold on to the past. We hold on to a way that we've done things. And when things start to shift, we start thinking that we start, we start acting crazy. We start thinking it's, it's, it's never going to be the same and God's not going to move. And we hold on to stuff. And, and that's pride. That's, that's thinking that we have the corner on the market of God's kingdom. And we don't, church family. I don't have the corner on God's market of the kingdom. I don't, I don't know. I don't know in my own. That's why I'm tethered to the scriptures, not because I'm this devoted Bible reader, because I know I'm helpless without it. It's not that I'm this goody-two-shoe Christian who's just in the Bible always. No, let me be honest. I pray as much as I pray and read as much as I read because I know I'm screwed without it. I need Jesus to inform me of how to live according to his kingdom on a daily basis. And when I don't, I step away from that and think I can do it based on that fruit that I've experienced, I start going astray. God gives his grace. You know what word grace means? Also, favor. We've seen his favor in the last eight years. We're going to see his favor in the next eight years, the next 20 years. It comes through humility. And I want God's favor on my life and this church. And I believe you do as well. So having a humble posture Saying, God, I don't know the answers. I don't know the way. We're going to come to you before just rushing headlong into this next season. That's where we need to be. That's where I need to be. Maybe that wasn't for you. That was for me. I'm just preaching to myself again. I hope this ministers to you. I need to have a humble posture. Number two, that's staying low. Staying low. Sticking close. Sticking close. Okay, staying low, having a humble posture, seeing God as big, seeing us as small, seeing us as needy. Number two, sticking close. As we think, and, and I've thought this last week, having a lot of conversations and just processing this new transition, as we think about this new season in our church, it is so tempting to start placing our confidence in the wrong stuff. And this is a little bit similar to the last point, but I want to make some distinctions here. And, and we're going to talk about two things to stick close to that we have to stick close to in this next season. But it's so easy for me as, as I got so excited and so just blown back, overwhelmed by God, you would, you would put me in this position to steward this gift that the confidence shifted from God and his plan to the good things that we had. Here, here's just a few different examples. 
our confidence, your confidence, is not in any new lead pastor or different style of leadership. It just can't, we can't, we can't think we're going to have better days because a new style of leadership or a new pastor's in and maybe you had problems with the past and so you're excited about the future. It, our confidence is not in me being in this position. Our confidence is not in any new vision or plan for the future. Man, so many talks around, I've been asked so much recently, what's, what's your vision for, for this next season? And I, I love that question, but can I be honest? I, I'm kind of scared of that word vision. Scared in a good way, there's vision from the Bible, but I'm scared that, that we start creating man-made visions that we, we strap Bible verses to, but they're really our own plans. And I've seen it, I've done it in ministry. I don't want my ideas with some paper mache Bible verses on the outside to make it look presentable to you and to Jesus. Our confidence is not in fresh ideas or, catch this, creative ways of doing church. Oh, I'm excited about this season. We're going to create a podcast room. We're going to have content coming out. We're going to have classes. We're going to use our office we're redoing right now to have a ministry space so people can be discipled in and trained. You can pray here and, and all this stuff. It's all great stuff. But let me tell you, my, I'm not sticking close to this, ooh, I know confidence in the future, God's blessing in the future, because we have some cool ways of doing church. God's not up there in heaven going, finally, podcast, that's all I needed them to do. He's not up there going, oh, you're going to go missional communities and not house churches. He doesn't care about the name. He doesn't care about the structure as much. There is some structure in the Bible, but how we call them, or it is eight people or ten people, or, or man, we could put so much confidence in those things that I don't want us to start off on the wrong foot saying the confidence comes from how we do church. Our confidence is not in relevant marketing or some great social media accounts. I know a lot of churches that have some swag on their social media accounts. It's great. That's awesome. But let me tell you, it's, it's easy to say, man, I got, we got this great post and this great content and to have confidence in there. That's not what we're sticking to. Here's something maybe more personal. Our confidence is not in perfect worship sets or memorable takeaways. It's not in the worship sounding great. It's not in the fog machine in the background. It's not in the four songs and too fast and too slow. It's not in how it feels in the moment. That is not, church family, that is not where our confidence can be. I don't, and I'm telling this to me, I don't want to get start walking in this church world and thinking, oh, we got to have two fast songs here, two slow songs here, and then this song has to be this. And, and sooner or later, we've walked slowly away from relying on God. To think that the way we set it up is going to bring God down closer. Remember, he's, he's close to the, the lowly and the humble, those who are needy, who are looking at him, not those who are saying, I got it in my own strength. Our confidence is not in abundance of finances. Our confidence is not in how good we are at avoiding sin. Come on, somebody, and following the rules. I, I can avoid sin pretty well. I, I, can, I, can, I can turn off Netflix. I can do some stuff. I, I sin. Our confidence is not in that our confidence is not even in what the schools of Oakland think about us or how good of a connection we have with them. I praise God for that. But hopefully you realize that our confidence is not in any of that stuff. So what are we sticking close to then? What are we going to hold on to to make sure we have God's blessing in this next season? If it's not you, Chris, and it's not the way we do church, and it's not our worship sets, and it's not the takeaways, yes, I have a part to play. You have a part to play in it. I'm not saying we don't. But what do we really need to stick close to? Two things. Simple, and you're probably going to roll your eyes. But hopefully you do roll your eyes, because if there's anything else, you should fire me right away. <laughs> Number one, sticking close to the gospel, because this is our power. See, and I mentioned about six, seven things. Nowhere was there scripture. Nowhere was there Jesus. Nowhere was there gospel good news. See how easy we can so busy ourselves doing church and never meet? With Jesus? Look at y'all, I don't know if you know, but, but being a pastor and being in ministry is not a cakewalk. It's, it, it's, it's hard. It's hard on the soul. It's a weight. It's a spiritual weight to it, a burden. It's a privilege, but it's hard. I did not walk into this position so that I can just mess around with things like this. I want to see nothing less than the gospel. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. 
Yes, Chris, we know. No, no, no. Just hear me. The good, this is the gospel. The good news of the finished work of Jesus for sinners and sufferers. That has to be primary every, in everything we do or we have lost our power. See, the gospel isn't just something we tack onto things. It is our source of power. If we want to see sinners saved and sufferers healed, it comes through the gospel. The proclamation of the finished work of Jesus that was done 2,000 years ago and is being applied to this day right now to people who don't deserve it. Amen. That is the message. And if that is something that bores you, you might want to switch the Instagram and YouTube and Facebook live stream. Because I want to plumb the depth. In the last eight years, Pastor Ed has, has honored Jesus and lifted him up and, and preached the gospel. And I have no intention to do anything other than that. And guess what? We haven't even plumbed the depths of it yet. There's so much more to learn for personal and corporate to understand, to lift Jesus up. We are all about the risen and real Jesus, not anything else but him. He is the shepherd. He is the husband. He is the king of the kingdom. And if he's not center stage, we have lost our power and we will do godly things without God's power. And that will lead to frustration and disappointment. I do not want to do Christian, godly church things without God's power. Do you know I can preach a sermon without God's power? Now, God's word would not come back void, but I can do things without God's power. I do not want to. The gospel is the power, not methods, not plans. And if we move from the gospel, catch this, we move away from God's blessing. It's right there. That's the center spot of God's blessing. All of God's blessing pours out from the center point of Jesus. He is the climax of history. He's the culmination of the scriptures. He is what we look to. All the Bible talks about him, points to him, explains him. It's not just, oh, we tag Jesus on the end of a scripture because he connects to Isaiah. He is in Isaiah. He wrote Isaiah. Jesus is the word of God. He is the breath. He is the source. He is the revelation. He is the goal. He is our power. Sticking close to the gospel because this is our power. Number two, sticking close, and this is more broad, but God's word because this is our vision. Now, coming back to why I am weary of the word vision. I get the heart behind vision, casting a direction forward. I think that's necessary. That will happen. We will unveil that as the Lord leads us and we discern and have wisdom to look to the future to say what needs to change, what can be, um, what can be our preferred future where we can see God's kingdom come more in Oakland in a different way. That vision will happen. But I'm, I'm afraid of, of the word vision because I do not have any desire to create new ideas when we have a book full of timeless truths that are effective. I don't feel any pressure. I feel free. I don't feel any pressure to come into this new position, as grateful as I am, to, to create new stuff. The Bible has told us what to do as a Christian and how church should look and how we can save sinners and how we can heal broken people and how we can restore marriages and how we can love our kids and how we can serve the poor. The Bible tells us all that stuff and I praise God for that because I don't have to create new stuff. Here's a scripture that is attached to this. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture, I love this. Someone say all. All scripture, not the red letters, not the verses you underline, not the stuff on Instagram, all scripture, yes, even the old prophets that you don't even know are in the Bible, all scripture is breathed out by God, and I love this word, profitable. All scripture is profitable. There's not one truth, one line, one verse that is not profitable. Catch this, for teaching, for reproof, that's rebuke, for correction, and I love this, for training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Pastor Spencer said that one of my jobs, Ephesians 4, 16 to 17, says I'm supposed to equip the saints. I want to train you up and release you to run in your lane and empower you, to blow wind into your sails. I can't wait until we start seeing that happen more and more. But how that is done is not by me giving you a spiritual pep talk and then having you take a spiritual gift test. It's by you going to the word of God first and foremost. That is sufficient for everything we need as a church 
and a people. I'm going to counsel from the scriptures. I'm going to lead meetings from the scriptures. I'm going to disciple from the scriptures. I'm going to challenge from the scriptures. I will encourage you from the scriptures. It will come from God's word, not from me, not from any outside source. And I've seen this sadly over time. The churches who slowly depart from God's word also depart from God's blessing. You start taking things out. See, the, the temptation in this day and age, especially now social media, is that the culture, we think, should influence and sway the scriptures. No, no, no. The scriptures inform the culture. Amen. Cultures do not inform the scriptures. And I know some people close, and, I, and I'm reading books about it now, and there's so much about deconstructing our faith, and there is some stuff that we have to deconstruct because we've gotten it wrong in the church. No doubt. Totally okay. But we do not have the license to deconstruct what is very clear in the Bible, His written word. Just because it rubs us wrong, see, here's the issue. If it rubs us wrong, it should actually affirm that it's from God. Because if it didn't rub us wrong, it's probably from man because man made it up. If God never rubs you wrong, you're probably not hearing from God. If God never shocks you, you're probably not hearing from God. If God never challenges you, you're probably not hearing from God. He's just a figment of your imagination fixed into a Jesus cast to look like him. Now, I do not want to just think that the culture, because they say this is right and we're archaic, that they get to speak into the church. We need our voice to be loud in the culture. We're not bashing people. We're not condemning people. We're not on the side with pickets. We are gently. The Bible says, correct your opponents with gentleness. We do all this in gentleness, family. Gentleness on Facebook, gentleness on Twitter, gentleness on Instagram, gentleness at our co-working spaces and our, co and our family. Gentleness. But it says correct. You have authority, not from your life and your experience and your talents and your gifts, but God's word. You carry that around and you get to speak life into people. We think it's archaic, so we think the Bible is oppressive and demeaning and the culture says that. No, no, no. The Bible is freedom. There's this paradox, I don't know if it's called a paradox, where, where the more you actually say, I'm, I'm a slave to Jesus, I'm going to chain up and say, Jesus, I want to do whatever your will is, I'm going to attach myself to you, the more you actually get to roam in green pastures. See, if you don't confine yourself to Jesus' way of life, you confine yourself to all the enslaving idols of the culture. And sure, you get to choose sex and drugs and money and whatever you want for sexuality, but that ends up being a way worse master than Jesus. I want the scriptures to inform how we see things, how we do church, and how we view culture. Please, you can check me on it when I get astray, and I will check you on it as loving family members that we will never depart from God's written and revealed word. Amen. We must double down on that. So here's a recap and then the last point. Staying low. Okay, no self-importance. No self-exaggeration, no self-reliance, a humble posture. We need you, God. We're going to double down on prayer. This is the only way forward is to hear from you and rely on you. Number two, sticking close to the gospel because that's our power and God's word because that's our vision. Staying low, sticking close. And here's the last one and probably my favorite. Stumbling toward. Stumbling toward. It's probably my favorite because I could do this really well. <laughs> This last point comes from an invitation that Jesus gave. It's my favorite invitation. It's my favorite passage in the scriptures. Something close to my heart. But beware. I just want to give you a warning, a disclaimer before I read it. This invitation has a very high price tag on it. It is costly. It is not easy. It is not comfortable. It might not even be what we call safe. But if we take this posture, we will be surprised into a whole new life of experiencing Jesus' blessing. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Jesus said this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, oh, I love this, gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, what I'm going to say next is, is uh, an implication from what Jesus is offering. We see this all throughout the Bible. Stories of Jesus in the Gospels um, affirm this reality. And I'm convinced, more than ever before, from this last season to now, 
that if we want to see God move powerfully in our hearts, in our homes, in our churches, we must bring the real us, sins and wounds, to the real Jesus, the friend of sinners. Amen. We must bring the real us to the real Jesus. I heard it said this way, revival starts when we finally bring the real us to the real Jesus. Chris, what do you, what do you mean? Let me break it down a little bit. We need to bring the real us. If we want to experience God's blessing, yes, no pride, but humility and openness and a God dependence. Yes, sticking close to the gospel and sticking close to God's word. But let me tell you, this, this ties in all. We need, you need to present the real you all 100% to Jesus to finally and fully experience what God wants you to experience as the disciple and a son and daughter of Jesus. Here we go. We need to bring the real us. This means forsaking religious pretense. So easy to walk in church. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. When your life is a shipwreck. Do you understand where you're at? Hopefully you feel safe. I want this place to be a safe place where we're not having this religious pretense and this hollow piety where we say the words, but inside our hearts are dark and burdened. It's having a distaste Catch this, for shallow relationships and convenient transparency. A couple things on that. Shallow relationships. Uh, this church, more than any other I've been a part of, has, has beautiful and strong community. It's one of the things we fell in love with right away was how well people loved each other. That's an affirmation. I see that church family. I see that we've been loved so well. We see that. But there's a temptation that you get close to a few, maybe one or two, but you but you don't want to open up or, or you kind of walk through churches. You can go through a season where there's a shallow relationship. But even more dangerous is convenient transparency. That's one of our values, selfless transparency. Pastor Ed modeled that so well. It's so freeing to be open. But catch this, there is such a thing as convenient transparency where we are transparent only when it's convenient to us to share just enough to get people off our trail but never enough to see what's really going on inside. I don't want, and I'm, I'm, I've done this. I'm speaking from experience. I have been transparent enough. Oh, what are you struggling with, brother? Oh, here's the four or five things on the top, but never get to the 10% below that I don't want anyone to find out. Mm -hmm. And if you never share the last 10%, only the top 20%, you will never get healing. You'll never be known, and you'll never feel fully loved because no one will fully know you. Mm -hmm. See, real, real change happens when you're fully known and fully loved. If someone really loves you but doesn't know you fully, you don't feel fully loved. You want someone to know you, scars and wounds, and Jesus does this and then loves you with that. It means not settling for playing church and looking like everything is perfect. If you just got in a fight when you came to church, it's okay. You don't have to blast it saying, I got in the fight this morning. I'm being transparent. It's not what we're talking about. But man, don't try to hide like everything is perfect in your house. Kind of go over to people's homes. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Our house is a mess. What the heck do you think my house looks like? I got two kids. I know like, you don't have to put on this image like everything's perfect. Just rest, family. Jesus comes and invites you to rest and come to him with burdens and weariness. This means being honest about our doubts. Come on, somebody. I know y'all have doubts. We don't want to share because we think we'll get kicked out of the church. Our fears, our sins, our wounds. Being honest about those. James says, confess your sins and pray for one another so you are healed. It's so easy to confess our sins to God because it's safe. He already knows it all. There's no risk there. The real healing also comes when we trust God enough through the gospel that we confess our sins to our brothers. I've experienced this. If we're not willing or able to confess our sins to one another, it's because of a lack of trust in the finished work of Christ for us. Why do I need to hide my sin from a brother when I'm forgiven by Jesus? But if I don't believe I'm fully forgiven by Jesus for that sin, I won't. I'll feel shame and not confess it to a brother. That means, catch this, admitting when we are faking it. Ha! Can you imagine? I would love, oh, I can't wait till we get to this point where we come in Sunday service, we come to a small group of prayer meeting, and we just sit down, and we just, and everyone's asking how you're doing, and you're just saying, Shh, I don't want to be here. I see that. I've seen that in our church. I'm just not feeling it, Chris. I'm not feeling this sermon. I'm not feeling this. I'm not, I'm not feeling Jesus. I haven't felt Jesus in the last couple of weeks. I'm tired. I'm, I'm just, I've been faking it. I'm going through the motions. Praise God for that. That's when the real Jesus can come and do some work. When we get honest about it. 
That means admitting it when we're exhausted, when we're feeling depressed, when we're feeling bitter, when we're feeling confused and lost. And lastly, this means finally and fully opening up ourselves to one another and to Jesus. Finally and fully. You know how, how light your burden will be when you give it to Jesus and say, I'm fully known, fully loved. I get to come to him, the real me. Not the, not the 80% everyone sees, but all of me. But that's half the equation. The other half is just as important. We bring the real us. What do you mean, Chris, to the real Jesus? There's only one Jesus. Ah, ah, ah. No, there's not. There's not more than one Jesus. You're probably like, what kind of heretic are you? Catch this. We want to bring the real us to the real and true Jesus, not an imposter. Not a Jesus that fits the restrictive confines of our political parties and agendas. I've just been around people enough to know that it's so easy to build a Jesus based on that someone that he fits our agendas and our political parties. And that's what Jesus votes. And that's how Jesus loves. And that's how Jesus sees the world. That, my friends, is not the real Jesus that's an imposter. Not a Jesus that does what we want him to do at all times like a genie. Not a Jesus, like I said this earlier, that never moves us, that never challenges us, that never shakes us, that never thrills us. That is not the real Jesus. The real Jesus, when he steps on the scene, sometimes people fall to their knees. The real Jesus, when, they, when he steps on the scene, they cry and weep. When, the G, when real Jesus steps on the scene, they feel free and light. That's the real Jesus. He will shake you. He will move you. He will thrill you. If he's not doing those things, family, you might have an imposter and not the real Jesus. You might have made Jesus in your image. It's not the way it works. A couple more. The real Jesus, who is simultaneously the reigning king and lowly servant who dons the towel. That's the real Jesus. He's exalted above the heavens, but he's with the lowly. The real Jesus, who has never sinned, yet catch this, is called the friend of sinners. That's the real Jesus. Do you have a room for Jesus to be like that? Sinless and righteous and perfect, and yet he comes close to sinners. He's not repulsed by your sin, church family. In fact, his heart, the gospel will say, when he looks out on these people who are, who are sinful and he sees them, his heart breaks with compassion. His bowels, his affections are stirred. That's the real Jesus. The real Jesus who welcomes us with his grace in order to change us for his glory. He welcomes us. Come. Come to me. He's not, he's not saying, go do these five steps. The real Jesus says, come to me. Every other religion says, go do these six things. Jesus is the only one who can say, you can come to me. You don't need three steps extra. I'm sufficient to love you, to heal you, to be your shepherd. The real us to the real Jesus. This is where we find real traction in life. And maybe your Christianity, your life with Jesus, your interaction with church has become stale and numb and lifeless because you are not bringing the real you to the real Jesus. You're bringing stuff he's already dealt with and they're just replays of an old television show and he needs some new content to mess with. He needs some new information. He needs some new sins that you need to confess so he can bring some healing. There are some sins we are living with, some areas of doubt that we are harboring, some bitterness with people that we are carrying that we are not letting Jesus heal. And let me, let me tell you, church family, I'm confident that our best days are ahead of us because when we stay low, when we stick close to the gospel and God's word, and when we bring the real us to him and stumble forward with all our baggage, all our burdens, all our mess to him, he will meet us. He will bless us and he will guide us to where we need to be. He will take us to where we need to be. Mm. I... I just pray, I, I want to pray for you in a moment, but I just pray that, that, that you would see the future that is laid out ahead of us. 
that when we look to what does it look like, this uncertainty that Jesus is right beside us. And that church family, let me say this really clearly, you cannot mess up God's kingdom. You cannot mess up God's kingdom. He wants you to walk with him and to join him in this mission like we're talking about. But let's just trust him. Let's walk with him. Let's stay humble. Let's stick close. And let's stumble forward towards Jesus with all of our junk. And he's going to meet us. We're going to see traction. We're going to experience real joy, lasting peace, and true life. And that is a church that's attractive to a watching world. That's a church that's attractive. And I'm confident that our best days are ahead of us when we have these kind of postures. I so, I so wish I could, I could just see your face and I could just be with you. I could hug you and COVID, I know, the green, red stickers, whatever. I, I could be with you and just, and just listen to you and, and pray over you in person. Um, but I'm, I'm, so, I'm so expected and confident, not because of anything I bring to the table or anything we have in our hands, but because Jesus is the shepherd of this church and he's leading us. And what a privilege that we get to steward this moment in time in this church for God's kingdom, for God's kingdom. The best is ahead of us, church family. And it's a gift. It's a gift to be able to steward it with you. I want to pray for you and then we are going to, we're going to worship we're going to worship the risen and real Jesus. Like, like stand up to your feet and let's, in response to the fact that, that we can have this posture and God would bless us, nothing in that message said, get right, try harder, strive. It was be humble, stick close, and stumble forward. And I know you can do that. So let's praise God that that's the plan. He's a gracious shepherd. He loves us. He demands a lot because he's the king of the universe, but he meets those who are lowly and have open hands. Father, I pray that you would stir up a confidence in us for your kingdom, not our abilities, for your presence, not, not our gifts and our ideas, that our confidence, God, would be relocated to your throne room, not to this room. Our confidence will be relocated and say, Jesus is going to carry the mission forward and all our job is just to open up our hands, stick close to the gospel, and move towards his gracious invitation. What a sweet God you are. So glorious, so kind. You reveal yourself in ways that we can know you. And God, I just, I trust you. We, tr we say we trust you, Jesus, as our great shepherd. Lead us to green pastures. Restore our souls. May we see heaven touch earth more in this next season than ever before by your grace and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.